This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to take your online presence to the next level? Well, grab your favorite mug because you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Coffee with Kate, brewing business brilliance for entrepreneurs podcast, where we brew up strategies to help you stand out online. I'm your host, Kate Payne, and I'm here to ignite your digital presence and bring out the best in your business. Like you, I love coffee, but my true calling is helping entrepreneurs like you unleash their unique stories to make a lasting impact in the world and become more visible online. I'll be your guide as we delve into riveting conversations with experts, clients, and colleagues. We'll cover a wide range of topics from networking and digital marketing to social media and the latest business and personal branding trends. Consider this your all-in-one resource for online visibility. Together, we'll discover all the ways you can stand out online and make an impact in the world. So let's connect, share ideas, and learn from each other. Welcome, everybody, to Coffee with Kate and my guest, Brooke Sellis from B-Squared Media. We're actually having virtual coffee together. It's like it's, it's, like it's really happening because we have the same mug. Yes. I wonder how that happened. Mm. The UPS fairy. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to be talking about social media today, paid advertising, organic content. Um, We're going to talk about uh, Brooke's Marketing Companion podcast with Mark Schaefer. She's the co-podcast host with Mark, one of the top-rated podcasts in the world, world, right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. So anyway, the way I know Brooke is uh, I actually met Brooke through our mutual friend, Jen Herman, um, at Agents of Change, which is a digital marketing conference hosted by Rich Brooks in Portland, Maine. And I believe we met in 2018. Yes. That was the first That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then we came back the next year and you were a speaker. That's right. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then we didn't get to do it in 2020 because 2020. Right. Because of, because of, well, COVID. And I don't know if there's even, I don't think he's doing it for this year. I think he's looking into next year. So anyway, so I got to know Brooke uh, as a professional and and her expertise in, um, in digital marketing. And then we became fast friends because that's just the way Brooke is. And we found a lot of fun together. So I thank you very much for being here today. And, um, uh, I'm just are, tell us a little bit about B Squared Media before we get into the nitty gritty. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I love Kate. Obviously, Kate is also very likable. So anytime mm. Kate needs me, I'm happy to come running. <laughs> uh, but B Squared Media is a company that I founded. We're actually turned nine this month. So we turned nine in May of this year. And we're a social first company. So we do done for you social media management. We do um, advertising, not just social, but also search. And then we do social first customer care, which is where brands who have a high volume of customer support needs through social media outsource that to us because it's quite a lot for people who only work Monday through Friday. Right. Tell us, if if, are you okay with sharing with who a few of your um, clients are? Because I know you work with a lot of companies and enterprise level type clients. Yeah, sure. So um, I can say some and not others, NDAs, but so we work with Brother Internationals, one of our customer care clients. As in the computers, printers and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Printers, label makers, sewing machines. We do, we work with them on social listening and customer care. We have a 
a large global appliance brand who I can't say the brand, but um, they, they do, we work on their US side again for customer care and social listening. And then we just actually closed yesterday, a big shoe brand and we're helping them with their social listening and potentially moving into customer care with them as well. So, I mean, it's usually just, again, these people who have a high amount of volume, you know, millennials, Gen Z, these up and coming, even Gen X, me, right? We don't typically want to go to social media or the phone anymore. We just go to Twitter and we start yelling (laughs) in the hopes that someone will help us. Exactly. Well, that was a nice segue because the first thing I wanted to talk about, because one of the things um, I love, if you go to Brooke's homepage, bsquared.media, her tagline is there and it's think conversation, not campaign. So Share with us the meaning behind that, sort of the snapshot meaning behind that. But what you also really focus on, which you mentioned already, is customer care. Mm-hmm. So talk about um, what what think conversation, not campaign means, and then customer care from the standpoint of how you help people um, with their customer care and define that for us. Yeah. So think conversation, not campaign happened before I even owned the company, quite honestly. I was working at another company as the marketing and social media director. And I had used that little like pithy tagline in a presentation. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> there's a there, there. Um, and then a year later I ended up starting B squared and we, you know, it's kind of a non-sexy story, but you can't, you can't trademark B squared media because there's a B there's a squared and there's a media and all of those are open for common use. So I decided to instead trademark the tagline, which is think conversation, not campaign. And yeah. Right. As someone who's been in sales and marketing for 20 plus years, I, I feel like, and I think this is true now that we we tend to get focused on the return on investment and you know ROAS return on ad spend, which are all very important. But at the end of the day, we're not focused enough on the customer who is responsible for any of us being in business in the first place, right? Without right. the customer, the campaign wouldn't exist. The revenue wouldn't exist. And so I kind of want to strip it back a little bit and get to a place where you focus on the customer, which can then lead to outcomes with your campaign. Um, same with customer care. So what we started to realize through our social media work was that, um, again, we wanted to focus on the customer, but we realized the customer is really trying to become the customer or trying to come into your social media sphere as a brand or a company wait well before they buy, right? Right, right. They're asking questions from peers about your brand. They're talking to the brand, oftentimes asking, um, you know, for information about supporting that purchase. Um, And then there's, you know, obviously then they become a, a customer, a part of the community, but then there's also advocacy and, and loyalty and loyalty programs that come after purchase or post purchase. So what we've tried to do is read keep the touch, right? To keep yes. the, touch the customer, right? You have to be in touch with your audience from beginning to end. Like so before they're even born, right? As a customer to the end. So we're with customer care trying to map customer care. So any interaction, proactive interaction with a customer from beginning to end and and around and around. So mapping that customer care, uh, those customer care touch points to the customer journey. So what would be some customer care tools? Like, would it be the chat? Like if you're in a website and there's that little icon in the lower right, that little bubble, is yeah. that something? I mean, I don't know for sure. So I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Is that yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
any way in which you communicate with your customer is a place where a customer care would happen. And I think that's one of, you know, the most important parts is figuring out like, where do your customers want to talk to you? We see increasingly with younger generations, they want to do that through social media, mm-hmm. but it could be through email. It could be still be through phone. It could be through a chat bot on the website or a live chat on the website. Um, so it's really, you know, first and foremost, understanding where your customers and would be customers want to connect with you and then putting some focus and effort into those. What would you say most people are using, like from the standpoint of like that website, what you said a chat bot and then you said a live chat, what's the difference? Yeah. So a chat bot is a, basically an automated system through artificial intelligence that answers question. You build out like a conversation workflow, right? So the Mm -hmm. human's not really involved, um, there obviously should always, this is my my advice, right? Golden nugget. Uh, there should always be an option to get a human involved. Right. Um, because what I would think that would be very important because some people know what those chatbots are like and they're there to basic, answer a basic question and usually your question is not the basic question. Yeah. What we've actually found with our enterprise clients, in this, which is why they use us for customer care, is they're way too nuanced for a chatbot. Yeah. Um, it's, it's way too complex. They have product lines that are, you know, yeah, right. hundreds sometimes. So, so, so a chatbot wouldn't cover it, but like, say you're a small business and you just don't have the, you know, resources or person to be available all the time on social, you could absolutely put together a chatbot to answer some of those most frequently asked questions and then have an option for a human to get involved. Live chat is where somebody comes on your website and is live chatting with someone from support. So a customer care. Okay. So that's so you help implement those tools then. Yeah, we help people implement those tools, but the majority of what we do is social first. So it's it's okay. we take care of like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or all of the above, either during uh, business hours Monday through Friday, or a lot of times internal customer uh, support handles that, and then we get placed in before hours, after hours Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays, and then holidays. Okay. So if you're just joining us, we're talking with Brooke Sellis from B Squared Media. We're talking about um, customer care. We're talking, we even got into chat bots a little bit, live chat, the kinds of tools that people can incorporate, social first. If you have any questions about any of those things, please put them in the comments and we will um, ask Brooke your question and we will be here for, for quite a little while longer. So we're just getting started. So um, where does the data stuff come into all of what you do. I mean, data is so important. And like you said at the beginning, the ROI and the ROA are important, but it's still that touch component. However, you still need data. Where does that fit in? Yeah. So what we've realized, we beta tested our customer care service for two years before we ever brought it to market to really understand what we were trying to do. Um, And what we realized was that customer support in itself, which is why we don't use that term, that's why we changed it to customer care, is very reactive, right? And so what that means is when Kate reaches out to Brooke's shoe shop about her shoes and she's unhappy, she she's tagging, you know, us and using social and saying, Brooke's shoe shop, my shoes came and I hate this color. On the website, they looked neon green and then I got them and they're hunter green. Not cool. You know, I want neon green. Um, 
that's very reactive. That's important. We want to get back to Kate and talk to her about the green of the shoes and how we can help. But right, it's 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 a it's a one-off transaction. It may or may not happen again with Kate. Right. Um, it's oftentimes built on negative sentiment, which is a data point that we would receive, right? But that's that's oftentimes built in a reactionary, negative way. To become proactive with all of the data and the things that we're trying to do with customer care, we use social listening. So social listening tools allow us to go out into the interwebs (laughs) and actually (laughs) listen for certain keywords and keyword phrases around our brand, around our industry, around our competitors, so that we can start to understand different data points and become proactive, like joining conversations that are happening already or understanding what is or isn't working for our top competitors' campaigns so that we can then differentiate our own campaigns. A lot of times it's finding pain points that clients or customers are having without tagging you. Okay. So, you know, that peer-to-peer conversation is so important on social. I mean, that's what we do on social media. And if we think conversation and we use social listening to proactively listen in and then when appropriate, join those conversations, you'd be surprised at what you can find. I mean, we've, we've fixed, um, product development issues. We've fixed, uh, software bug issues for clients. This is all just based on social listening. Okay. All right. So social listening, what kind of tools are you doing that? So obviously there's a market research component where you're just doing market research, but if, are you, you must also obviously be using social media tools. Like for example, with that, when you talk about social listening and a lot of people are told, well, if you need help because you can't get into your LinkedIn profile, then tweet at LinkedIn support or LinkedIn help um, on Twitter to get them to pay attention to you. And that's what a lot of people do now. Is that a component of what you're doing too? Or is there a better way or another way? Yeah, I would say, you know, we use social listening as like the catch all, right? Because it's it's both allowing us to get in front of those proactive things plus the reactive things. Um, and then it's it helping helping inform us on very broad areas. So starting with like brand, right? And then starting with industry and then starting with competitors. And then with social listening, you can actually go super duper nuanced. And uh, if you're familiar with the term like a Boolean sh- a search. Boolean search, yes. Yeah, it allows you to kind of add in, in your queries and or. So you you can, you know, go as deep as a hashtag or a word or a product, spe- uh, you know, a specific. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. We just lost you. Hang on a minute, Brooke. I'm trying that to- weird. I it was weird. Sorry. Hi. That's okay. My, my you were doing this and going like this, and all of a sudden I'm like, jazz hands. Jazz hands. Uh, so back up just about 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm just saying you, you it allows you to go from really those really broad sections to, down to really deep and niche sections, and it brings all of that data back in real time. And so this is where people say like, oh, well, you know, software is smarter than the human or AI is smarter than the human. No, because you the marketer, the human, the team still has to take all of that data, decipher what it means. And then you have to create the creative solution that's meeting that customer pain point or solving that customer pain point. Right. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Bottom line is the human touch still matters. It, it matters. I mean, we really don't use a lot of bots because like I said, with the, with the clientele that we're working with, it's too nuanced. I mean, the conversation workflow with these bots would be mind boggling. 
And it still probably wouldn't get to the crux of answering the, I mean, for an example with brother, we have people coming to us with things like I broke my sewing needle in the XYZ sewing machine and I can't get it out pressing the, you know, release button on the blah, blah, blah. It's super technical. Right. 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 So it it would nearly be impossible, nearly to, to answer that with a bot. Right. Right. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's, I always find, I just, I find this so fascinating because it's, it's, it's so, in some ways it's so scientific, but yet that, that it's, it's also underlining that the human piece is still just has to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't stand it when I get any kind of a bot period. I don't care if it's from somebody who is a one woman or one man show, you know, like a solo entrepreneur and they are their brand and they're putting stuff out there. Or if it's the giant company, um, the other day I got a, a robotic call from a person that used to be a coach of mine about three years ago. And I thought it was actually the person because it's their yeah. phone number. And I picked it up and, and he's like, hi, it's so-and-so calling. And I'm wanting to know if you want to come to this retreat. And I am like, wow, like what? I've had a personal relationship with you for a one year coaching thing. And now I'm getting like a robotic message. And I answered his voice. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Wow. Yeah. And it was, totally, you know, it was totally recorded and everything. It was really, and I'm just thinking, so let me ask you this question. Given what we've just been through with the pandemic, mm-hmm. I would think that the human component piece is more important than ever when it comes to customer care. Yeah. Would you agree, disagree, see a difference? What, 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 do you, what have you noticed? Yeah, people are more angry yeah. or less forgiving. Um, and I think that kind of finesse t- takes a human. Um, a machine has a much harder time. Can I say the S word? Yes. Okay. <laughs> if I'm a bot, that the machine would have a hard time discerning between this is shit. Yeah. And this is the shit. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Is lost a lot of times on AI, whereas humans, not always, but most of the time, we can pick up that tone through through the text that's coming through. So. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, especially with how upset people have been lately, I think the human element is more important than ever. And I think it's here to stay. Would you agree with that? I I agree. I know there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me. Yeah. One of my great friends, uh, Christopher Penn, we we disagree a lot on AI and humans, but um, but I respect his opinion. I think he respects mine. And I, I just think even if we get away from it for a short amount of time because it's the shiny object, right? And it does allow us to be way more efficient and and do things at a much lower cost. We'll never be like, no, I don't want to talk to a human. That just that's well, you know, in the words of your your business partner and and podcast co-host Mark Schaefer, it's always stuck in my head, and I think it's from the Marketing Rebellion book. Was the most human company wins? Yep, that's exactly right. Yes, and and I, you know, that is. I think that 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 tagline along with like fake conversation, not campaign, those things like mesh together. What we're saying is like, hey, people matter and they will continue to matter. And we everything we do as marketers and even salespeople needs to revolve around the people. Right, right. All right. So anybody listening, this is your chance to ask Brooke any questions you might have. But we're going to go in a little further now. So now I want to talk about switch gears and talk a little bit. It's almost like Clubhouse. I'm not, let's reset the room, but I'm not on Clubhouse. <laughs> not on Clubhouse right now. Um, so let's talk about paid advertising. So first, first share with me 
or share with everybody, what type of uh, paid advertising are you working on with your clients? So we do obviously the social advertising. Um, so just on the main channels, we're, we're not uh, into like TikTok or Snapchat. Yeah, I mean, are you doing like Facebook ads? Facebook okay. ads. And like in Google ads. I mean, the social ads. We also do some niche ad placements. So we work with like programmatic advertising for some of our clients, which is where essentially, again, you're using AI to help you find media buys at the lowest cost. Um, we're doing like contextual advertising, which is really important right now with third-party cookies going away. I'm sure yeah. everybody's heard if you do any sort of advertising that Google is removing third-party cookies. And essentially, the, the very quick definition is First-party data, you own. If I go to Kate's website and I sign up for her newsletter, she owns my name and email address. That is her first-party data, and you need that. And if you're right. doing that, I would suggest you start right now. Grow, growing your list, basically. Like, like, as soon as this is over, go start growing that list. Yeah. <laughs> party data would be like if Kate and I decided to do an event together. So she would share her list with me and I would share my list with her and we're co-marketing together. That's second party data. Third party data is used a lot of times with advertising through things like interests, right? So if I'm targeting Kate with an ad through, through retargeting, that's where like Facebook would come through. I would put um, a pixel on my B squared media website. And the when it was kind of like a tag for those people who might not know. Yeah. Like a tag in the back end. Yeah. yeah. A little snippet of code that goes in your, in your website header. And if Kate came to, and I didn't know Kate, right? We're pretending like, I don't know Kate, but she came to the B squared media website. That Facebook pixel would say, oh, Kate has a Facebook page. And it would pull her information down from that pixel into a list. When we talk about retargeting, so like lookalike audiences and whatnot, and interest targeting. So if I'm targeting Brooke's shoes again, and I'm looking for people like Kate who have visited maybe some of my competitor websites, that comes from third-party data. I'm getting that data from the advertising platform or from a pixel from an advertising tool. That's what's going away. Okay. So retargeting, also, if you're unfamiliar, is where most marketers make their money. That's mm -hmm. where, I mean, it, it, it oftentimes has like a four to one result versus just like picking an audience, you know, cold, you know, just from like some of the targeting parameters that, uh, that so like, have. So like if I'm looking at Facebook on my phone and there's an ad for some women's apparel and I click on it, I'm going to end up seeing that thing. <laughs> all over the place for the next like day or so. Yes. Um, and so that's because there's a pixel. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then have you noticed if you click on the women's apparel ad on Facebook or Instagram, you also see similar ads get shown yeah. to you yes. the next couple of days or so. That is interest-based targeting. That is third. Interest-based. Okay. And that is what is going away. So, you know, it's a, it's, 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 um, it's a scary time for when you say going away. Are you talking about, are you making reference to like, for example, the iOS update for people who have iPhones? That's uh, other thing. But okay. Yeah. So that's like a whole, so when you say it's going away, what do you mean again, like in a one-on-one level sense? So Google <laughs> has said, and you can just go Google yep. this, but a third party cookies, no, we're moving third party cookie data in 2022. So we have a year now, my guess is they'll come up with something else. There's already 
tools like Stack Adapt is what we use for our programmatic buys who um, allow us to do like contextual advertising and geo-targeting ad- advertising that doesn't use third-party data, right? Um, you can probably through um, Facebook and maybe your email provider do click behavior targeting. So when people find something in your email, you can add them to a list or something. There are going to be workarounds. So I don't want people to freak out. However, it's, it's going to be extremely disruptive. Like I want people to also take it seriously. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been reading about it. Uh, it's not my world and it's a little bit over my head, but I can see that this is making all of my friends and colleagues in the Facebook advertising world pull out their hair a little bit right now. Yes. Yeah. You know, hasn't been fun for a while now. Apple versus uh, Facebook and now Google coming up with something. Um, and now then um, Amazon was saying they're going to do something similar to Google. So what ultimately what it comes down to, if you think about it, right? A lot of people are like, oh, they're just protecting my privacy as a consumer. Okay, let me let me set that record straight because think about who owns the most first party data. Google. Google. Facebook. Yeah. They're doing this to compete with each other, right? Not for us. They're they're pretending like it's for our privacy, but it's not. <laughs> that's an interesting insight, actually. And I'm I'm I I would agree that that's probably pretty likely. Yeah, they're not, they're not worried. About kind it. of ironic, isn't it? When you think about and you do research on like the Google algorithm and when it, from the standpoint of content and Google's like, make sure it's unique, compelling, interesting, and it's of service to people. And mm-hmm. so, it, so that's like, they want you to produce content and they'll reward you by showing you in search if you do that. And then when you talk about like what you're talking about right now, from the targeting standpoint, they're pretending it's about the, the, the person and it's actually really not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's an irony there. Google owns like 40% of the search too. Yeah. So when you're searching and some of the stuff that's popping up in those top spots, like Google owns right. that. Right. So, I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> we just have to realize we're just but small ants in the big, you know, world of businesses like Google, Facebook, Amazon. Let's talk about paid advertising in sort of synergy with organic. Still, still organic still matters, like organic content still matters. So is there a sort of like a balance or, or, or a formula or some such where it's like a night and it also depends on the size of your business. I get that. So the more enterprise level clients are going to be doing more paid, but still need organic. So maybe answer the question in the context of the um, smaller business owner, you know, not necessarily the solo entrepreneur, but somebody who's not necessarily brother, but um, who isn't like me you know, somewhere in between. Yeah. So, I mean, we help a lot of smaller companies too, especially on the paid media and advertising side. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you from like the very beginning, when someone first comes and talks to me, a lot of times they, they say they're looking for organic social media help. And my number one question is what business outcome are you trying to achieve with your organic social media? And like literally eight times out of 10, they'll say, more sales or more leads. And I'm like, that's not organic. Right. Right. Media. Right. You know? So the way I describe it in this process is organic social media is important. It's like having your website, but meeting the consumers where they're, where they are. Again, you just are there, right. Always kind of like having this billboard for yourself organically 
That's where the conversation should be happening with your community, with your current customers, with those advocates and whatnot. But it's a very long game to say that you will receive leads or sales from organic social media. Right. If you're looking to play the short game, again, so like eight out of 10 people are saying, I need leads today. Right, right. (laughs) That is paid media. And it's, they work really well in tandem together because if you think about like the traditional funnel, right? Mm -hmm. Awareness. And if we're going towards like nurture decision in the middle to version, both social organically and paid help you with that awareness part and both help you with nurture. But if you need to get to conversions or leads quickly, it's going to be very hard to get to the bottom of the funnel with just organic social media. So using both can help you get to the return on investment or return on ad spend. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting when you describe that and I, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but here's an interesting little, um, uh, conundrum I find myself in. So about a year ago when I was going to be doing some webinar, I was going to be doing a full day workshop and it was going to be about personal branding and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was going to be teaching people about strategies for LinkedIn. You know, you've heard me talk. Um, so she I wanted to create page. What? Giving a, a Kate a shout out. She's probably gonna get embarrassed, but Kate totally helped with my LinkedIn. <laughs> she, mine was it was bad. It was bad, and I I got with Kate, and now it's amazing. So that's oh, oh, thank you for that, Brooke. I it was fun working with you. But here's my here's my. So what I did is I started to. I thought you know what I'm gonna create some paid ads on LinkedIn. So I created them, and then you know it goes in for review, and then I don't know twenty fourth. 36 hours later, I get a response saying it's not approved. And so I, but it doesn't give me why. So I kind of tweak it. I'm like, I don't know if it, maybe the copy was too long. So I tweak it again. And then I get another thing saying not approved. And then I wrote back and I'm like, can you, can you give me some help here? Like why? And they said, because you're mentioning LinkedIn. And so I reached out to AJ Wilcox, who is the LinkedIn ads guy in the world. Um, and I'm like, what's, ha-? he's like, oh my God, I've never had this happen. Like where, like this is happening. And so they basically said something like you, you can say what you need to say, but you can't mention LinkedIn. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, I mean, I can't just say personal branding because it's personal branding as a platform foundation to positioning yourself using your LinkedIn profile. And that's the focus of what I do. So basically doing some research, it's like, if I am ever going to buy an ad on LinkedIn about what I do with LinkedIn, I can never mention LinkedIn, period. Can you say the world's most professional social media platform? Maybe. But so, kind of like, I know. as an ad for what I do, that's pretty darn vague. Say, I mean, but the, the, these rules exist across platforms and it's gotten harder and harder in certain sectors too. So yeah. like uh, medical, very difficult. Um, real estate, very difficult. Staffing, very difficult. Yeah. Politics, nearly impossible. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, I mean, and that's happened, that happened kind of first on Facebook. It's happening now on Google. It took us like four different attempts to get some realty ads approved on Google because of fair housing. Yeah, right. So, I mean- it's, it's, it, I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, Kate, like where you're going with this is, um, advertising used to be one of those things that absolutely, I feel like if you took a few courses or watched a few videos, you could do yourself as a small business owner. It's almost gotten to the point where they've taken that away, which sucks. I don't like that. Even though for the service, right. Unfair of Facebook to make it that difficult. 
that right. you can't do it on your own. I don't like that at all. So, so I guess if it comes down to it, if I just, cause I'm growing my business, I'm going to be launching an e-course um, for sale. I'm not doing all the funnel stuff. I'm just going to offer it for sale. If people want to buy it, they can buy it, you know? Um, but if I'm going to do ads to get traction for it, then I'm probably going to be advertising only on Facebook and you know, what's going to happen just like the other people who do LinkedIn stuff who advertise on Facebook. Then you get the trolls on your ad going, Oh, well, that's interesting. Why are you advertising your LinkedIn service on Facebook? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trolls on the so then, so then that kind of, I've seen that happen with people who are legit LinkedIn experts who do similar work as me advertising something on Facebook. And then you get the people going, ha ha ha. If LinkedIn's so great, why are you advertising on Facebook? Not knowing what's behind it. Trolls are everywhere. Yes, they are. Ads. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Sadly. Yeah. That's another whole separate conversation, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, I will give you a tool though. There's a tool called, I think it's called Click Ease. Click Ease, I think is the tool. Um, and they essentially help you try to fight some of that spam. So like, let's say we've actually had this problem with one of our clients before. Let's say you're running ads and your competitor sees them, which they they probably will. And they just keep clicking, right, to run up the the cost per click on your ads. Believe me, this actually happens. I know it sounds crazy, but this is competitor warfare and advertising is a real thing. Right. Um, This tool helps. It has AI that uses algorithms to help help spot trolls, um, spam houses, you know, like, you know, Russian bots or whatever. Right. right, right. And also potentially competitors who are trying to uh, bid up your cost per click. Okay. Wow. that can help you combat some of that on your That's great tip. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit again. Um, so speaking of social media, what do you see as like a hot thing in social media right now? Like something that's really killing it. Not maybe not necessarily as shiny object, but what do you see right now? It's either a trend or a tool or, or, something that's that social media is doing what in your mind if you said like what's hot right now in social media um what would it be in your opinion i think it ties into what we've already been talking about with with third party data going away your first party data right is going to become the most important driving force for marketers from this second through to when this thing happens in 2022 so for me if you're in marketing and you're using social media, you need to be focusing on social intelligence and social data. I don't care how you collect it. I don't care if it's manually in a spreadsheet, not the smartest way, but hey, you know, like, yes. Yes. How, however, you're, however you're comfortable doing it, how, what's your, whatever your budget can afford, your time can afford, you know, start collecting that social data. Because what we are seeing is that more and more consumers want to connect with brands and consumers through social, not through email, not through phone, not through TV. You know, um, email is still high up there, but social is right behind it. You need to use that think conversation mentality and start collecting social data and social intelligence from your social channels to help you know, pad your first party data. It's going to be so important. Okay, so if it's not your list and email that's the top, but it's still up there, then can you give us like a hard, like what would be the way to do that? So like, are you talking about, like if I'm talking with people in a thread on a LinkedIn post, are you talking like that literal? Yeah. Conversing or I've answered somebody's question and I see their name is, you know, Sally Smith. Reach out, like afterwards, reach out to Sally Smith through LinkedIn and make that connection. Yeah, I mean, are you getting like that down in the weeds? 
help you with this, but like, let's just pretend, right? Let's go, let's go super basic. We don't have any tools. We're just using the native platforms. Gotcha. And Sally, Sally, what was Sally's name? Sally Smith. Sally Smith. Because there's only one of them in the world, I'm sure. Watching this today, right? She's watching this live stream and she says to you in the comment stream, Kate, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were coming out with a course. What course? And you're like, oh, the name of the course. And she's like, oh my gosh, that sounds so interesting. If it were me, Okay, if I had just a spreadsheet, I would put Sally Smith's name on it, make sure we are connected on LinkedIn, grab any sort of email information I can, reach out to Sally and be like, hey, so great, so so glad that you're interested in the course. Would you mind if I emailed you when it's ready? She says yes. You've got permission now to email Sally Smith about the course. Do not add her to your master list. No, no, don't. Because that goes against all the right. Right. Or if you do have a tool, even if it's just a CRM, a basic CRM, go put Sally Smith into that CRM with all that information and tag her with the name of the course. So okay. they now know when you're sending out marketing messages about this course, you have Sally Smith's first party information and she's been added. And that happens through social, right? Yes. Right. Website and sign up for anything. Right. So... Well, a lot of times people do go and I have like a subscribe thing on my website. And so people who sometimes make a connection with me, whether they've heard me on Clubhouse, for example, or they've heard me on doing this, um, you know, they'll connect me on LinkedIn and then it'll, they'll go to my website. And it's like within a day, I'll get them opting in to just to my website. So that's that's been that's been working well. So those are other tools. Interest data that we just talked about was going away. If you're using social listening, you can go, you know, look at your audience as a whole and the people who are talking about your brand as a whole. And guess what information you can see there? Conversation clusters, conversation topics, themes, interests of your audience. Right. Even that, though that's going away through some of the third-party tools, you can bring that information down from like a social listening tool. Right. And have interest data and know how to market to your groups. You know, if if you're a movie theater, maybe your people are also really interested in comic books. You know, you can use that information that you're getting from the conversations to utilize for any sort of paid media in the future versus having to be like, oh, no, the tool's not here. And now I don't know what to do. Okay. Well, that's super helpful. Let's, let's touch on email lists for a second and email. So what would you say are today's sort of best practices with regard to email? So I've got like, I don't know, I've, I've gone through trying to grow my list and then I just completely ignore it because I hear that email is dead and then I just don't do anything or I just get lazy. I'll admit. Um, so I've got a list of like a thousand, um, which is not big. No, no, because I'm like you. I hate email, but I now do too. I'm like, oh my god, email, email. Now every marketer I talk to, really, marketers I respect. I'm not just saying anybody say that email is not dead. So, from what you do, um, what is the best practice then with people emailing? So, like, I'm thinking about starting it back up again mm -hmm. and maybe doing like you know one a month, but not as a newsletter. I think the newsletter thing is sort of passe it's got to be really about a certain topic um, yeah. and, and it should be a, a it could be a blog I guess whatever so t you tell me what's the best practice for people who are emailing today here's how we do it I'm not saying this is the best practice yeah. okay. I'm, I'm gonna be honest here like I'm with you I'm like I've ignored email for like nine years yeah. and now I'm like oh shoot 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 <laughs> into the email. Yeah. So I'll tell you what we do we do we put out a weekly blog post on our site we offer a VIP blog 
um, email sign up. And what happens is we not only send you that blog post by email, we also send you a, a gift based on the theme of the email or the topic of the, of the blog. Sorry. So like if we're talking about social listening, maybe I send you uh, Sprout Social's latest social listening report. No download required, you know, no email required. Here it is for you. Okay. Yeah. So we, so we, 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 we have people sign up for that list. That's obviously segmented. Um, I don't send them also then my newsletter or anything. I'm very particular about keeping things clean and segmented. Right. Um, on the homepage of our site, you can sign up for our newsletter, which comes out monthly. And that's mm -hmm. where we kind of give a recap of the theme for the month. We mentioned anything that's going on with the company, you know, just like a typical newsletter. Right. right. And then quarterly, Mark and I have teamed up, Mark Schaefer and I have teamed up to do what we call the B Notes newsletter. And that's where we really focus on customer care because he and I both think this is, you know, customer care will be, if not already, the future of organic social media. Right. So we really kind of focus that quarterly newsletter on customer care and what's happening in the space. Okay. So okay. it's month, weekly, monthly, quarterly. We have this sign up right there on our site. And as people come through the funnel, whether it's through social, through the website, through a form, whatever it may be, through, through a paid piece of paid media, we use a CRM and automation system to tag those people very specifically with their interests. Right. Okay. Yes. So if I know that somebody came through on, we have a free customer care quiz on our website. If they took that customer care quiz and I know then that they're interested in customer care, when I do a webinar or if I come out with a white paper or whatever it may be, I will email that group of people with okay. customer care information. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. I think I'm going to get back into it when I've done it, even though I felt oogie about it. No, I know. I always, get, I always get good feedback or I get a lead or I get somebody who I worked with three years ago. who's was like, Oh my gosh, just wanted to let you know that when we work together, this happened and what else are you offering? You know, kind of thing. So I think that we've got to get, get out of our own way sometimes yeah. just because we don't like it. Doesn't mean that other people don't like it. And I think if you don't abuse it, um, yeah. you don't abuse how much how much you reach out to them. I think that most people will be happy to hear from you. And if you're giving them something of value um, that's going to help them with their pain point, then that's even better. Yeah, that's what I always try to like. That's why we do like the the gift, right? You can go right. to the blog. You can you can get it right. on your own without receiving another email. So the give me or the carrot, right? I do some of that. I mean, of course, in my community, being a, a LinkedIn coach, trainer, whatever you want to call me. Um, not not affiliated with LinkedIn corporate at all, but we have our own community of all of us and we're all over the world. And some of the people that are in there are really, truly, and I mean this with all due respect, are total data wonks, AB testers up the wazoo, you know, and then they'll share a report about like the LinkedIn algorithm or something and or about how hashtags are being used on LinkedIn in 2021. Mm -hmm. And so whenever those come out, they're always like gold nuggets to me. Yes. And so what I've done is I've reached out to the author, the creator of that. And I'm saying, is this, is it okay if I send out an email to my people tagging you with your website and your paper, because it's so good. I want to help people. And everybody has been like, absolutely. Well, yeah. 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 So, you know, that's the other thing. It doesn't necessarily, the email doesn't always have to be something that just you do. You can be the sharer of other people's stuff beyond just a post on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. 
you know, share their report, but always ask permission and always make sure you get and links to them. I mean, you know, you got to, you got to err on the side of caution with that. For sure. All of the email newsletters I signed up to receive from the marketing industry, Jay Bear, Mark, yeah. uh, Chris, Mark. and Hanley. Yep. All of their stuff shares other people's stuff. Yeah. All right. Of them. So I, I, yeah, I know, I, I think, you know, and this is my own pep talk to you. Know, like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like this crazy, amazing. I mean, like you read Anne's, if you get Anne Hanley's. I don't actually, but I'm going to now that you mentioned it, I should, I'll bet it's really good. You read yeah. hers and you're like, I cannot do this. I have no You know who I, I just signed up for? A mutual friend and colleague, Jen Herman. She's just started putting yeah. out um, a newsletter for Instagram stuff, which is, and it's really good. I love her Instagram tips. So I signed up as well because she, yeah. you know, they keep me on top of things. Right. Anne is a beautiful writer and always so creative. And you look at hers and you're like, oh my God, I cannot, <laughs> I am no Anne Hanley. But remember that they signed up because they already see some sort of value in what you do and what you offer. So as long as you continue to ask like the, so what, and offer those little pieces of value, I think you'll be okay. And you can share people's stuff. Oh, we got my uh, Paula Diaco. She's a book coach. Um, Anne's newsletter is the best model yours after hers. Yeah. Thanks for that, Paula. Thanks for tuning in, Paula. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So let's, as we wind down here, um, and I also want to just, as a shout out, as you know, Brooke, most people who end up watching this usually watch it on replay. Mm-hmm. And I am now, because of my wonderful new VA, all of my Coffee with Kate's are going to be archived on my YouTube channel and on my website. Um, so we're going to be starting to do um, transcripts of shows too, which will be awesome. So look, look for look for us there. But um, if you have any questions, even if you're watching the replay, put them in the comments, whether you're on Facebook or LinkedIn, tag me or tag Brooke, and we'll be sure to answer your question going forward. Um, But let's talk now about the marketing companion podcast that you do with Mark Schaefer. Um, I got to tell a quick little story. So when we were at the last, when we were at the last uh, Agents of Change conference in Portland in 2019, um, Mark Schaefer was going to be the keynote speaker. And I was like giddy with, oh my God, because I've been following Mark and reading his grow business blog for years. And so I was super excited and I already knew Brooke, but I didn't know Brooke and Mark were like, you know, buddies and colleagues. So we get there, Brooke's there and we're like, oh, we're finally seeing each other after a year. And, um, and then Mark's there and then like, we end up going out and like Mark's coming along and I'm like, I'm like the, the little star eyed, you know, little fan, like, Oh my God, Mark Schaefer's at the bar with us. Oh my God. That's the night Mark and I had a dance off. Yes, awesome. it was in that little speakeasy bar in downtown Portland. And, and, and at any rate, I can't remember who it was, if it was you or Rich and said something about, like I said, is like, is he, is he nice? Like, is like, can I talk to him? I mean, like, I just got so goofy about it. And it was it you or Rich that said, he's like the Mr. Rogers of social media. It was you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and so then I kind of got to know him and he hung out, he came out, you know, we were there for what, three, four days. And uh, one morning when I was um, eating breakfast, I just, he was all by himself and I said, hello. And he started asking me questions. And an hour later, he'd given me like three gems that I walked away from. And I'm like, you know what? Brooke is right. You are the Mr. Rogers. 
you know, we, we, we follow these people in our little nerd social media world and they become like a, a, a celebrity to us in some ways. And then when you finally get to meet them after you've read their stuff and everything and you respect them so well for their knowledge, it's really cool. I mean, that's one thing I love about this digital marketing world is that most of all these people are just super down to earth, regular average people like we are and always willing and generous with their knowledge. And, and so, um, and then Paula just made a, another comment. Anna's a writer's writer. So Paula is a writer and a, um, a book coach. Yeah. And is a writer's writer. She is. Yeah. She's a great writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is. So, um, so let's go back to marketing companion podcast. So the marketing, com marketing companion podcast was, um, Mark was doing with another guy. I have forgotten his name now. Tom Webster. Right. And then when he left, um, Mark invited you. Yeah. Which so was very yeah. story from there. Yeah. So he had, we had worked together. Gosh, Mark and I met, I want to say like around 2015 or so. So like three years into my journey with B-Squared. And um, we had worked on a few projects together. I had helped him a little bit with the book previous to Marketing Rebellion, which was Content Code. Um, he So he reached out to me and he was like, you know, Tom is retiring from the podcast and I'm looking for a new co-host and I want to um, have you come do like an interview. Basically, we're going to do a show together and we'll see how it goes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have, I hate my voice, by the way. Like I have like a high pitched baby voice. So I was like, oh, it's never going to work. I have the worst voice for like radio. No, uh, so um, I don't know how you'll have to ask Mark, but somehow. Wait, wait can I pause you? Let's, yeah. let's do a new hashtag. High pitched baby voice. High pitched baby voice. I swear animals and children that love me and it's because of my like high-pitched baby voice um so uh i i did the interview he picked me and we've been doing the podcast now gosh for like two or three years yeah 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 i was listening to you guys a lot during during lockdown quarantine whatever oh thank you thank you and i have sometimes i just don't get to listen the whole thing i listened to your little test run on clubhouse have you guys continued doing that with going to Clubhouse too? We did it a few times and then we kind of discontinued the test. I mean, I think, you know, for me personally, like, again, like, so Mark and I do disagree, by the way. And when we disagree, <laughs> that's like actual real life. And people, oh, you know, we don't, we don't plan the show. We don't plan what we're right. going to talk about. We don't talk about it previous to the show. And so when you hear us disagree on the show, like we're actually disagreeing. And he and I had a disagreement about Clubhouse. I was like, I'm so tired of like the shiny object syndrome. Right. I cannot handle one more platform. And he was like, please, 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 let's just do it as a test. And I was like, oh, fine, you win. It wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad because I listened to it. It wasn't bad at all. It was good. I, there was no like should this equal like there was no wow factor for me to continue and I I yeah. guess he felt the same way we actually haven't had a conversation about it so that's interesting we'll have to well, social audio across other channels is coming out Twitter already has it um, yeah. I mean LinkedIn yeah. has been working on it long even before Clubhouse came out and I can tell you as being a LinkedIn person as soon as it comes out I will not probably ever go on Clubhouse again and I will be on LinkedIn because that only makes sense thank you and that's my whole point I mean that's when people come to us and are like, oh, do you do TikTok advertising? Do you do this, that, neither. It, it may be here to stay. However, what we've seen over and over and over again is that somebody usually buys something out and, and puts it into their own base. Right. 
Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, and, and now LinkedIn is going to do LinkedIn podcasting, which will like right. overtake Clubhouse. So like, I'm always like the way, I guess I'm traditional, even though I'm younger in the way that like, I'm like always wait and see, like, let's not rush. I'm the same way. I, I think a good marketer always is in wait and see mode. I think it's why we always, when people ask us a marketing question, our classic answer is it depends. It depends, yeah. it depends on so many factors. I think we always AB test everything. Certainly I was going to pay attention to Clubhouse. I'm not going to be like, no, but I also didn't like jump on the bandwagon either. Yeah. Um, and then I had to start setting boundaries for myself. And, and yes, you, you know, we do. We cannot yeah. be on 26 different social platforms seven right. days a week. I mean, because that's what I teach my clients. I'm like, you can't be everywhere, nor do you want to be. Your audience isn't everywhere. That's no. why you need to know who your target audience yeah. is. And where they live. Yeah. Where do they so, want to communicate with you? Yeah. So, you're a great question here from Heather. In terms, in terms of podcast transcripts, does sharing them as show notes help SEO? I've heard different schools of thought. Thanks. I've heard different schools of thought on that too. So what, what do you have to say about that, Brooke? I would say it does because, uh, so Mark and I put out show notes that's not an actual transcript. Mark puts it on the Businesses Grow blog as a as like a blog that has the uh, podcast embedded into it. So but say that again. So on the blog, mm-hmm. on Mark's blog, blog, the grow business blog, mm-hmm. okay, at the bottom, a blog post right. for the show gives yep. a title and, you know, writes some stuff, you know, has content, but it's not a transcript. And then, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Embeds the show in that post. Okay. Now, Chris Penn, who I've mentioned a few times, does a few different podcasts and he uses um, an artificial intelligence tool called Otter, A-I-O-T-T-E. I've heard of that. AI, which will turn your show into an actual transcript. And then they zhuzh it. You know, they clean it up a tiny bit. Like zhuzhing your hair? Zhuzh. Yeah. They zhuzh it a tiny bit because it doesn't get it right. You know, it, it, it's it's not a perfect science. It doesn't always get it right. It, and especially with my high-pitched high baby voice. <laughs> a hard time understanding what I'm saying a lot of the time. So I tried it out once and I was like, that is not what I said. Um, but anyhow, he does that. And if Chris does it and his company provides SEO services, I would say it definitely helps. Well, the podcast that I do listen to with people who I, again, I really highly respect, I'll do it. Um, I, my VA is suggesting now that I do it for these because I can also turn these shows into a blog. Yeah. Um, and use this content, you know, in a way that creates a, a blog or something like that. So I'm giving it a shot. Heather, I'll keep your question in the back of my, uh, on my radar though. And I'll report to you over time if that's going to be working for me. And this is not a podcast. My, this is a webcast that I do LinkedIn live, you know, twice a month. Um, thinking about doing it every week, but I'm not sure. I'm kind of like in the every other week. That's one reason why I don't want to create a podcast because I didn't want to be married to that. Yeah, um, and it's, it's a lot of work. It's it is a lot. It's a it's a not actually shit ton of work. Yes, yes. Well, and also, you know, what one thing I want to say about transcripting things, it's inclusive. Not every, you know, there could be visually impaired or hearing impaired people who can't hear or watch this. You know, so if we want to be inclusive, and if we're talking right. about you know being inclusive in our DEI efforts and all of those things, then it's just one more way to ensure that you're reaching a broader audience with your content. Right. All right. So how can, so here's the, uh, here's the, the, um, URL to get to the marketing companion. You guys on on a regular time, same day, 
or does it bop around? We record every other week. And so the uh, recording happens one week and then it gets published the following week. So it just got published this week. We're recording next week. So the publish will come out again the following week. It's not helpful at all. Okay. <laughs> you can get to it from that page on your website. Yeah, you can get to it from there and also um, businessesgrow.com, which is Mark's site. Okay. All right. Great. So how are some other ways that people can connect with you or get in touch with you if they have further questions or anything? Yeah. So I would say visit our website, bsquare.media. It's a not com. Um, and <laughs> you can probably also Google bsquare media. There are a ton, by the way, of bsquare I noticed. out there. Oh my gosh. Mark actually sent me one from Florida when he was on vacation. That was a hamburger, a hamburger place. He was like, oh, I see you're diversifying. It was like, well, and the reason it is, is because it's Brooke B. Sellis, right? Your middle initial is B. So yes. that's why you do it. Yeah. To getting married, I was Brooke Ballard. And um, my nickname was was B squared. Um, and oh, I didn't know that part. So I had a nickname B squared. I had a lot of nicknames: Brookie Cookie, Brooklyn, and B squared. And I figured B squared just sounded a lot more professional than like Brookie Cookie Media. <laughs> <laughs> Heather listens. To, Heather listens to your podcast. I think you actually. I know Heather. I know Heather. You met Heather at Agents of Change. Yes, from Agents of Change. Shout out to Rich Brooks. We love you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you could also Google my name. Celis, believe it or not, is like the easiest Greek name on the planet. And thus far, I have not found there to be another Brooke Celis. So you could just Google Brooke Celis and all my stuff will pop up. And I'm sure you wouldn't mind if they connect with you on LinkedIn. Absolutely not. Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. If you do connect with Brooke on LinkedIn, let her know you connected and uh, through my Coffee with Kate. Yes, and be sure to send Kate a note on how fabulous my LinkedIn profile is. <laughs> she, she, oh my God, that was hard. I mean, I don't know. It is, it, it's, it is hard. I mean, it's one of those things when you get past like the about section and the writing piece, then the rest of it, it really falls into place easier. But, but like, I kept telling her like, this is so hard. I hate this. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny that it's actually good feedback for me because I'm rethinking. I'm, I'm a, I think I told you before we were on that I'm doing a rebrand. I'm doing a new logo, doing a look and feel, but I'm also going to be adding some new services and really kind of ups, uh, I'm scaling my business basically. And um, one of the things that, that I keep finding with, you know, basically 50% of my clients is that writing that about piece is the hardest part. And the reason I don't do it for people is, first of all, I used to, and I couldn't sustain it because I can't write for. Otherwise, I'll be, I'll just be oh, editing yeah, yeah, down from home. Right there. Yeah. Right. And, but the main reason I I have people write a first draft is so that I can capture their tone and their voice because it needs to be their tone and voice coming across through the narrative and their LinkedIn profile. And even if that first draft like is horrible, then I will rewrite it. But at least I'll have had that first initial sort of like the way they talk about themselves. And then I can use that as a foundational to help them. But that's that's always the hardest part with everybody. And I'm going to have to come up with a, with some kind of a way to offer that as I scale a, a done for you part or yeah, done. You'll be writers. You'll yeah. be, and I can I can give you some recommendations. But okay. yeah. Well, that's, that's a great conversation for after the fact. Yes. But well, I, mean, well, I just want to, I want to thank you for having coffee with me today, Brooke. I appreciate it very much. Um, I'd love to have you on again sometime. 
maybe have you and Mark on together. That might be fun. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. We are totally goofy together, which people I know are, you are. appreciate. Which is what which was what makes it so fun. So um thank you so much. And um I wish you wish you well. Oh, uh, is, is the Hello Conference something that you want to tell people about? Yeah, sure. If you head over to our website, you can, you can see the Hello Conference, which it looks like it's actually happening <laughs> this year. We didn't get to have it since 2019 because of everything, but it's going to be happening October of this year. So in the fall, October 21st, Hello Conference. Um, our, our clients come. A lot of our friends come. I think Kate's still planning on coming, I hope. <laughs> I, I might have a conference. Oh, no. Anyway, yeah, it's a big deal conflict. But um, our friend who we mentioned is going to be one of the speakers. But we we bring in we well our goal is to try to bring in the best and brightest minds in marketing and have them tell you what is going on. So our keynote this year is Matthew Sweezy from Salesforce and his book The Content uh, Context Marketing Revolution um, will be given to everybody and he's going to do a book signing. And if you have not seen any of his research or him talk, I mean you are in for like literally a mind blowing presentation. Awesome. Well, and it's in New Jersey. So for those of the user, those of you who are watching here in Vermont or in the Northeast, that's an easy way place to get to. And it's supposed to be at a at a really cool spot too, right? Yeah, it's at this really cool like old um, horse farm that's been converted into like it's a big wedding spot, funnily enough, or an event. Oh, cool. Like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again, Brooke, and thank you all for watching. So thanks again, Brooke. Thanks for tuning in. Your journey to online visibility and personal branding success is just beginning. If you're ready to take it to the next level, I have something really special for you. I'm offering a complimentary discovery call exclusively to our listeners. This personalized session is your chance to ask questions and gain insights on your personal branding efforts or even your LinkedIn marketing strategies. I've also prepared a free ebook titled Telling Your Story, Tips to Discover What Sets You Apart. It's packed with tips and tricks to help you identify your own compelling slice of life story. This resource will empower you to craft a narrative that captivates your audience and sets you apart from the competition. To schedule your free discovery call or to access the Telling Your Story ebook, simply click the links in the podcast description below.